Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, 53 men on the roster, three Patriots writers in the Boston Herald office here at Gillette Stadium. Welcome. I feel like we're in a draft room. We were talking about draft boards yesterday as relative to guys the Patriots might be targeting as far as waivers goes. Turns out they got a big goose egg. They didn't claim anyone today. Today's Wednesday afternoon. This is why we waited to kind of see where the dust settled, the practice squad, the 53-man roster. We had the king of cutdown day, Mark Daniels, the Providence Journal, as many uh, scoops as we had yesterday, all tweeting out to beat the press release. We have uh, master of his domain in Mass Live, Chris Mason. Hanging out, both second time of the pod. Thanks for uh, hanging out, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me into this room. It's really just hot really, stuff. Really <laughs> it's kind of nostalgic, though, right? Yeah. Me, Harold yeah, room back yeah, in the day. Me, me and Chris both worked in this room back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss it? Because I kind of miss the cubicle back where uh, when I, my mass life days. I used to have a table right here that I would work at. I wasn't allowed near like Jeff yeah. and Karen who had this space to themselves, though. So. So you were in timeout perpetually? Is that what you're saying? I'm working on my, my big features on like Kyle Love and um, it was just this other guy. It was a great story, but not a great story for the top. But gotcha. Yeah, good times. All right, next time, because we were just talking about we're going to have some beers in Vegas, a la Jim McBride and I did last week in Vegas and just kind of kick back, which we will not do officially on the record here at Gillette, <laughs> uh, maybe later on. So we got five topics. Everyone's seeing the roster. I think the biggest takeaway, uh, for better or for worse, is there are 10 rookies out of 53 guys on the initial roster. Weak, they will continue to tinker. Taekwon Thornton is going to go to IR. It's not official yet. Bring up a roster spot. But when I say 10 rookies, your initial reaction, Chris, is what? That they do want to get younger, but there are also a lot of spots to be won on this roster. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here, and that's kind of a testament to where the roster was at the end of the year last year. You know, I just looked it up, and there are 15 guys that got snaps in the Buffalo game, you know, weren't just like on the roster. 15 guys, they're gone now. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some serious turnover here. And for me, I look at the cornerback room. I mean, they they're clear, they clearly wanted to rebuild their cornerback depth after J.C. signed in L.A. You look at it, two first-year guys, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, a second-year guy, Sean Wade, even Miles Bryant's his third year in the league. They're, they're much more younger at cornerback. And I, I'll be honest, that, that's a surprise to me. I mean, coming into training camp, we're talking about Malcolm Butler, Terrence Mitchell. Who, who will be starting? Who will be replacing J.C. Jackson? Really, it looks like. Jalen Mills and on the outside, Jonathan Jones. I think the way they sort of set that up is just, to me, it's interesting. And I kind of like what they did there. They're rolling with some of the young guys. And I think, you know, Jack Jones and Marcus Jones, they're going to make an impact here. And that's that's good. They want to get faster on defense. Well, there's one way to do it. Right. And that's kind of the combination that I took away from this because, you know, perpetually the Patriots have been one of the oldest rosters in the league. And you, I think, acknowledged this on Twitter the other day, Chris, or the other hour, all time has lost meaning around cutdown day. But they're still second oldest in the NFL. But you've got guys like Brian Hoyer. 
and Nick Folk and Cody Davis and Matthew Slater pulling that number upward when in reality, like, look, Matthew Slater's a captain, Nick Folk's a starting kicker, but they're kind of fringe players right. in the grand scheme of where this roster is. So overall, they did go younger. And I think yeah. that was their way of saying we wanted to get tougher and faster. It's such a difference because they found a competitive advantage in being older, where Kyle Van Noy is going to be on the roster because he could play inside and outside at linebacker. Guys along the offensive line are older. Same thing, interior at center or guard. And now they're kind of going away from that and hoping to get the benefit of speed, which who knows if they're going to get it. But you're definitely guaranteeing yourself some growing pains here, at least through the first half of the season. Look at up front. I mean, Sam Roberts, Demarcus Mitchell, Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings. We don't know a lot about those guys. I don't know anything. Honestly, like a lot of these guys can be playing big snaps. You're kind of like, I think they're good. Even a linebacker. I mean, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson. Sure, I, I think they're good linebackers. I have no idea if they're how they're going to play in the past system. Mm-hmm. I mean, J- Jelani Tavai, is he actually going to play defensive snaps? No idea. Well, we'll see. They're going to have a pretty good test, though, in Miami. Yeah. Roberts was interesting to me, too, because we'll get to this in a second. But he's a guy that was a surprise for me. Like, we're being asked on radio or wherever else the last two weeks, who's a surprise cut candidate? Who's going to make the roster we don't expect? And my answer was, like, I don't know. You know, like, they're all in the same pool of 10 to 15 guys where Terrence Mitchell was a surprise cut. Great. Like, yes, he was expected to start week one. But we were all watching camp going. He's sliding to the back of the bubble. Then he's sliding off the roster. So Sam Roberts is in that mix for me. But did that signify anything to you up front? Like when he makes the roster, Chase and Hines make the roster. Um, you know, who else was in there? Demarcus Mitchell, who you mentioned, like specifically there up front for them on both sides. I mean, I think it speaks to some of the depth they're building. And it is kind of a way to spend, like save some money on those guys too, where, you know, you have Henry Anderson gone or IR, right? Um, yeah. But then when you can fill his spot with a Sam Roberts and do it, you know, on the cheap, you can do that. It's interesting too, because in, in Buffalo, you know, in the wildcard game, their defense was so bad. And it's like, how do you, how do you go about building this? And this group right. lost... They lose J.C. Jackson, Dante Hightower, Cal Van Noy, and they fill it with a bunch of young and unknown guys. And I'm like, on paper, they could be a lot worse. But if they scheme it up correctly, they theoretically could be quicker. And maybe they match up better. It's a giant question mark, though. So that's kind of the whole thing, right? They're like, we want to get faster. We're going to get faster. They definitely look faster. Whether that translates to better, we're going to see. But they do have faster guys out there now. Yeah, and younger, too, are going to be more prone to mistakes. I mean, they do lose a lot of that experience, but I think you look at some of the other guys who came into this system last year as a first-year starter, Matt Judon, Devon Gotchow, Jalen Mills, obviously. There's some benefit to that continuity, right? Like, I think Judon had a career year. It's not unreasonable to expect him to repeat that, considering, again, that familiarity with the system. Now, we'll see how many double teams he sees since the start of the season relative to last year, but Mills is was probably the best player on defense in camp. We saw start to finish. Then you guys got Adrian Phillips, obviously, third year in the system. Kyle Duggar, the third year in the league, to me, it almost says they're going to get faster by virtue of the players we just mentioned, but also leaning on guys at safety and then people up front just being more comfortable in the system. I mean, their safety group, they're they're so stacked with four veterans that I really do wonder if they just if they just play three safeties the entire time. It's like, all right, or four, or yeah. four. We're gonna we're gonna put a couple of these guys in the box, and you know we're gonna have we're gonna be able to drop back in the coverage and actually play zone defense. And I thought that sort of popped up last year that obviously the Pats were playing more zone. I didn't think they really had the correct personnel at linebacker to play zone. You know, Van Noy was fine in coverage, but like you don't want Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley dropping back in the coverage. And now it's like, all right, we have four safeties who can theoretically play in the box. We have these faster linebackers like Mac Wilson and Raekwon McMillan. Maybe they can execute this zone type defense better and maybe 
that'll lead to better results. Yeah, I like a lot of the work that PFF does. Um, but Kyle Van Noy, he mentioned in coverage, was number one among all off-ball linebackers last year, according to their grades. That's where you take a second look and go, are we really sure we want to take these as 100% truth? Because you're right. Like, they even pivoted to zone last year, still get blasted by Buffalo, not just in the wild card game, but at the end of the regular season. That's all in the past. Sticking with the safeties, a guy that we all liked early and obviously made the roster Joshua Bledsoe, he's a part of that group. I think we all would have had him on the roster. On the flip side, is there anyone who made the team that you would have taken off and replaced with somebody else? I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't pay much attention to Chase and Hines, and I, I had him cut <laughs> because I'm like, I, I just haven't recognized him. If they're going to keep an interior guard, it's it's going to be Arlington Hambright or you know James French, Cody Rusey, who really just played center. I'm like, oh, they'll keep Cody Rusey because he's he looked pretty good in the preseason. No, they – they keep chasing Hines who started late to camp because he started with an injury. Um, I, I didn't notice him much. Then you see him on the roster. You're like, all right, for their interior offensive lineman, your backups are Chase Hines. And then maybe Isaiah win if really an injury happens. But that, that to me, that was one of the biggest surprises. I didn't expect Chase Hines to be on the roster. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say the biggest surprise cut was Justin Bethel three-time special teamer. He is getting older, but I think with Hines making it and Bethel not making it, that was that was a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. It didn't really come as a surprise because of what Bill Belichick said about him on Sirius earlier this summer, mm -hmm. but Jelani Tavai is one of the guys that did make the cut. They, I, I haven't really seen a ton from yet over the summer where, you know, Bill goes on the radio and says, well, I think he's going to be a big player for us on all four, all four downs. And like, he very well could be, but I don't think we really saw that at any point over the summer. And so like, He's one of those guys that you see at the bottom of the roster and it's like, okay, like how much better is he than like a Harvey Lange who ended up on the practice squad now? It's he, he was one that I just kind of was like, all right, yeah, he's on there, I guess, but I don't know like when we're going to see it. So who would you have put on instead? Assuming Tavai comes up because you would have taken him off. Uh, it could have been Lange, uh, who's like similar skill sets. Um, in terms of linebackers, I mean, even like Ronnie Perkins ended up on IR. I didn't see the injury. I don't know what he's out with or anything like that. He's, he's got <coughs> a cough and yeah. some, I would say, flu-like symptoms. But, I mean, he's someone who obviously they liked his ceiling as a third rounder. And yeah. this can be the second year in a row where he doesn't give them anything. So, yeah, I didn't mind the Tavai inclusion, which there's a lot of, like, Jelani Tavai angst in my mentions, which I think is probably touched <laughs> by him being in Detroit with Matt Patricia, where both of them bombed. Let's just let's just be real about that. But he sh he played a little bit on the edge and surprised me there. Again, this is kind of against a second-team defense. But when you're starting in all four special teams, hey, that was a sign he was going to make the roster. And another sign, I thought Justin Bethel was going to be here. Yeah. I don't mind letting Justin Bethel go if you're the Patriots because you're bringing on Brendan Schooler. Mm -hmm. The guy that I thought was going to make the team based on his defensive impact, and he's a rookie too, was LeBron Ray, who sneaks through waivers. So he's on the team. They didn't lose anything by keeping him there. But I'm not sure you couldn't have let Chase and Hines sneak through waivers or Sam Roberts um, or even Demarcus Mitchell, who's another special teams guy that you don't really see flashing on the edge. Like He he had, I think, the best edge setting of that group and some more disruption in one-on-ones and team periods. And he's still available to them. But I, I felt like that was more of a risk there. And, and speaking of risk, again, the interior offensive line is really interesting because Hines probably makes it over Cody Russi because he's more versatile, but I, you're counting on a lot there for an offensive line that's like known for being injured. You look at it too; they they keep three backup offensive linemen and just two tight ends. I, I didn't I didn't expect that. You, you know, Devin Asiasi. You can you know I thought he was fine in camp. I thought he was making the roster to be that third tight end. Instead, you know, they keep Matt Sokol and um, so Jalen Weidemeyer yeah. you know, on the practice squad. That's interesting to me because you look at sort of the injury history of Hunter Henry and what 
went on with Johnny Smith last year. I thought they would have wanted a little bit better depth than they have at that position. I mean, there's a lot riding on, on Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith this year and they rolled the roll in with just two tight ends. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised by that. And you know, the sort of lack of depth at offensive line. Definitely. Just back to like Rusi and I, or um, Rusi and LeBron Ray for a second. I just wonder, like across the league, how much are coaches able to watch film on undrafted guys that are in other camps? And, you know, unless he pops against you to joint practice or something like none of them are going to be really that high on or they weren't high on other teams draft boards or else they would have gone. Right. Right. So maybe Bill knows that he can sneak guys like that through waivers. They're not going to get claimed and maybe they'll have a bigger role moving forward. Whereas someone like Sam Roberts, who's a six rounder, you know, maybe somebody liked him late and they like jumped up and grabbed him. Yeah, and ultimately all this hammering, at least for Chris and I, because Mark, your guy's gone, looks like Justin Bethel per Instagram, uh, is not coming back. So the yeah. Patriots still have retained LeBron Ray and guys like Harvey Longy who are still here. As far as tight end, that's number one as we go down to positions where I think they're going to tinker with. Because again, Tyquan Thornton still that place on IR. And Ty Montgomery might join him. Where do you see them tinkering and adding a body? And part of this is clouded by the fact that just practice squads are much larger now. Like you can pull up right. an offensive lineman. You do every single game day. So the depth there... Is eight officially in the active roster, but really nine when it counts. So what other positions? Is it tight end? Is it running back? What other spots do you see them kind of changing in the next 10 days? Uh, next 10 days, probably the offensive line. Like it's got, they have to add at least another body there because they're so thin right now. Um, over the course of the season, though, I'd be curious, tight end. Like if Johnny Smith goes down or if Hunter Henry goes down, you kind of have to make a move, right? You have to bring in like an NFL body like a, a first team body as opposed to just elevating like a Matt Sokol from the practice squad or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder at, at running back, if they think about adding a, a pass catcher somewhere in there, you know, with, with Ty Montgomery, it obviously didn't look great when, when he went down, he got carted off the field, flies back with the pads. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on the injured reserve today or, you know, th this week. And at that point it's like, all right, Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson are solid. They both caught a lot of passes in training camp, but then your backups are Pierre Strong and, and on the practice squad, it's JJ Taylor and Kevin Harris. I don't know. I, I thought Ty Montgomery was going to play such a big role in this team. I, I do wonder if we'll see that position change at all, you know, throughout the season. And, and the past always sort of surprise us with these, you know, random veterans they'll sign. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in another third down back, if they need some help in that area. Yeah. I, those are the two positions I have down here is running back and tight end as far as what are you, what are you looking to take it with? But again, I think they feel comfortable pulling from the practice squad because sometimes going through this podcast, I like to think, okay, if, if Bill sits down at that side of the table or Matt Grell and it's like, what position are they going to tinker with? He's like, you understand we can't protect against injury everywhere. And I'd be like, you know what? You're right, Macro. You're right, Bill. <laughs> but ultimately, you have to pick your spots. And they only rostered three running backs on a lot of game days last year and got away with it. And that was after James White went down. It was with Damian Harris missing some action. So I think they feel comfortable going, we'll promote J.J. Taylor. Like, clearly, the rest of the league doesn't feel that strongly about J.J. Taylor because none of them claimed him. And I think he's a serviceable back, tight end, obviously, for depth reasons. And this is also an offense that we're watching in training camp. They were playing a lot more two tight ends in team periods than we saw last year where they're running 14% of their offensive snaps at the 12 personnel, which was bottom five in the league for a team that was spending almost the most on tight ends at anyone across the NFL. And it's also not like they have a swing tackle who's particularly athletic that could just slide into a tight end spot. You know, if you look at like between Justin Huron or Yannick Jus, like I don't think either of them has any sort of pass catching ability. I don't think they're going to be able to like <laughs> hop into that. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe we'll see a big guy touchdown. It'd be awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. love, love, love when the fat guys score. But 
they neither of them profile as like kind of that hybrid position that you've seen some other yeah. places. And let's be honest, the offensive line looked terrible this preseason. And now you look at their depth, and you're like, I, I don't like where they're at at all. I mean, last year they go in and early their top backup was Ted Karras to start the season, who ends up starting the year before. They got a lot of Michael Wenu, you know, who they obviously needed a lot. I mean, Trent Brown gets hurt. Isaiah Wynn gets hurt. What, what are you? What are your plans here? And how comfortable do you feel in Yadni Kajust and Justin Huron? Kajust was fine to me this preseason. Mm-hmm. I thought Huron was just really disappointing this summer. And now you add your interior thing where, like, who is your best interior backup? Is it Jason Hines? Is it James Ferentz? That worries me. So I think that's a spot, too. We could see some shuffling. And I, I do wonder if you gave Bill Belichick truth serum, would, would he admit that, you know, yeah, they need more talent there, especially, you know, on their second unit? It's funny you say that because I think when we had Chris Berman, Boomer, here the other day, he walks in and you see Bill light up like you've never seen him before, at least at this podium. And he's saying, we are great. So like he didn't finish that. Not he was so happy. Ten minutes later, he's asked about the offensive line depth, and we asked Matt Grow. He says we feel really fortunate. We feel really good about our offensive mm-hmm. offensive tackle depth. Matt Patricia, same things. We have four really good players. Like, okay, you have to say that. Bill goes. Truth serum. Bill goes. <laughs> not bad. It's <laughs> like, wow. Okay, this is it. Yeah. Because I think that's a sign of they understand what they're dealing with. Like, there's a reason they could bring back Trent Brown for virtually pennies when you look at other starting caliber tackles across the league for someone of his talent. Isaiah Wynn. You can't count on him right now. He was limited in practice today. So, that, like, you're right. I think they are her. I think Haram is a little bit nicked up. They clearly believe in Matt Patricia's ability to bring them along. But at some point, you know, Haran's third-year guy could just as a, a fourth-year guy. Win and Brown are known established commodities. Not really growing any much anymore. It comes down to health. And that's an area where, okay, who's your sixth offensive lineman? The guy who was a turnstile and one-on-ones and Justin Ron for much camp, like it's tough. It's yeah. kind of like you got a domino effect too. Like the top backup tackle might be Mike Onwenu if you slide him over there, right? Yeah. But then it's like, all right, now right. who are you plugging a guard here? And there's nobody that like jumps out. You know, is it just elevating James Ferentz from the practice squad and rolling like that? I don't know right. how great you feel about or that. Or moving one. Isaiah Wynn inside to guard that happens so you can play Yadni Kajus to tackle. It's yeah, it's a scary thought. If anything like David Andrews goes down, that they would really be in rough shape, I think, even with you know Rusi a rookie or James Ferentz, who's you know, just James Ferentz. And they might believe a whole lot in Chase Hines. And four weeks from now, that guy yeah. has developed as a pass protector because he had a slow start to camp. He was hurt. We did. We saw him on the NFI list, and then he comes along, and I think he shows some good uh, ability to kind of anchor but and then move guys in the run game. But it's rough. I mean, this is a new scheme for everyone, so it's not just his individual development as a rookie, but working with guys who are also trying to figure things out on the fly. That's four weeks in the future. Let's go eight weeks in the future. Trade deadline time. How different is this roster? And I bring this up because of a potential trade that we all at least had to address at some point this summer, Nelson Aguilar. And the, the the reason thrown about for him is the depth they have at receiver and salary cap number, and the Patriots want to open up more space. Eight weeks into the future, his base salary is going to be much more palatable for anyone looking to add a receiver. And Tyquan Thornton should be back. To me, that's a recipe where he could be off the roster. Do you see any other big changes when we're around week seven or eight? that could come out about besides Aguilar, or maybe it is Aguilar. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you of the three sweetest words in the world. Football is back. And BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest odds for NFL and college, plus news and matchup information, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores, you can always find the fastest and always find the easiest way to bet in your favorite sports. There's football and also MLB. Their playoffs are coming up, plus MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. 
So head to betonline.ag right now to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Again, that's a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use the promo code CLNS50 to receive rewards. Again, the promo code CLNS50 for a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's only at BetOnline where the game starts. I think on the defensive line, there, I just, I have so many question marks with Uche and Jennings, even like Dietrich Wise, Sam Roberts, Demarcus Mitchell. Then you look at the linebacker group. There are just so many unproven commodities. I do wonder if they'll get to a point where like, you know what, we, we need more help or Matthew Judon needs more help or Jennings and Uche aren't developing like we thought. Jamie Collins? Jamie's still around. He's still parkouring around your house like uh, last time. (laughs) Or what what about someone like, hey, hey, Dante Hightower, your locker that you've always had is still available in the locker room. Like, would you come in and help out this group? I I just wonder if there's going to come a time where, like, you know what, some of these younger guys and veterans we signed aren't aren't really where we want them to be, and we need added help up front. Like, this defense, you need a really good front seven, I I think, in order to help your secondary, especially your cornerbacks. And if that's not where it's at, I mean, find Matthew Judon some help. I I think that would pay dividends. Mm -hmm. Offensively, you you start talking about the wide receivers. I wonder where Kendrick Bourne goes from here, too, Mm -hmm. where didn't have a great summer. Seems like there might be something going on behind the scenes. I don't know, but he ends up being not available for that game it doesn't seem like it's going like terribly well. And, you know, if they decide they want to make a move or something, he has a really tradable contract. So he's someone that you could move. I don't think that's like the ideal situation. Of course, you want him to get back on track. He's someone that like was your most explosive receiver last year. And, you know, you've seen flashes of that ceiling where the Buffalo game, the wildcard game, him and Mac were the only ones that really showed up and like balled out a bit, but there, but I think by and large, it's not going to be a huge difference because you have the 10 rookies, right? Yeah. You commit to putting 10 rookies on your 53. I think you're committing to letting them make some mistakes, letting them learn, grow, like get through it that way. So I don't think like top to bottom, there's going to be a huge difference. Yeah. And, and we have to see, right? I mean, even Belichick is saying, okay, we're going to finalize our roster. And he's speaking on Monday or Tuesday morning, whatever it was. We don't know what our team's going to be until <laughs> mid season, like yeah. mid to late October. So we've seen the rookies early. We've seen guys like Anthony Jennings and Josh Uche develop. We've seen the low end, I think, of their potential of this wide variance, you know, season, because you're so young, like there are going to be players who perform really well one week, really low the next week. And as they're working through a new system where they're back on the field, it's going to be on the lower end of that performance scale. But I think the Patriots are obviously banking on things are going to get better as we move along. And it's not going to be a linear progression, but it'll be better. And I think it, it, we won't know until which groups were, you know, the linebackers you're talking about, they might firm up really quickly. Yeah. The offensive line might still be lagging behind and that might dictate ultimately where they make adjustments on the roster, because it also comes down to health, obviously, too. So obviously, too, it's the injury factor. Injuries happen and teams have to make moves. Remember, you know, years, years ago when the Pats started the season with Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, um, and Demarius Thomas Thomas in their wide receiver room. And before you know, you know, Brown's gone, Gordon's gone, Thomas is gone. And the Pats are like, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to trade a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. Those, Those things happen. And with with Mac Jones and his offense, I, I do wonder, like, how does this group come together efficiently? I think the Patriots have a better wide receiver room on paper. They have more depth. I don't think they have, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber player, you know, mm-hmm. that Mac is throwing to. Will there ever become a time where the Pats like, you know what, let's let's get him more help? It's it's an interesting this next year from now will be interesting because you go into the offseason, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar are free agents. You know, how do you sort of build this offense around Mac? I mean, I think fans would love trade deadline comes in the past, you know, bring in sort of a stud receiver. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you bring up Bourne, and I tweeted this yesterday. Just teams had still been calling the Patriots about him and his availability for the reason you mentioned. The contract is really team friendly. Like he's the only guy they signed last year. He's going to be under contract next year. Myers last year, Aguilar last year, Parker through twenty twenty three. But they were rebuffed, and I think that's the Patriots saying we don't want to sell low on a guy who has AFC contenders interested in him. But ultimately, like we can work through a couple of bad weeks of practice because he he didn't show out last year in training camp, and then goes right. on to be their second leading receiver and probably most impactful on a per play basis. That's something we can't see here in training camp just yet because we're clouded by just all the stats and the preseason that we've seen so far. So, final thoughts on that. That was that was one thing I heard yesterday because cut down day. Rumors fly and things check in and and some people are just baiting or fishing or whatever it might be. The other thing I heard was that the Patriots were trying to, quote, see if they can add an extra win on their schedule by virtue of doing something yesterday, which I don't think that win came from keeping Sean Wade on the roster or (laughs) saying goodbye to Terrence Mitchell. I don't think it materialized at all. Is there anything like just now in in a safe space we can say without reporting that kind of had been thrown around? Well, I I do think the Pats were looking to see if there was ways they could clear up some money and teams were – like inquiring about Isaiah when that was an interesting situation because as we've already stated, the Pats don't have great depth on the offensive line and Isaiah went at $10 million. It's sort of like, eh, it's like you could probably do better, but you can certainly do worse. I don't think the Pats were in a position to trade Isaiah Wynn because of who they have there. But I do think if another team was like, hey, you want a second round pick? They wouldn't have said no. Yeah, That, that was interesting to me. I, I did wonder yesterday if they would move someone via trade to clear up just a couple more million. They like to be in that like seven plus million dollar range. They might actually be there around now. But I think that was one thing I heard that, you know, maybe the Pats want to clear off a little bit of salary cap room. It didn't really happen. A win trade is intriguing too, just because doesn't feel like he's got a guy that's going to be here long term, does he? Like right. based on he's playing on the fifth year option this year, but doesn't really seem like a prime extension candidate based on his availability, based on a number of things. So, I mean, if you could clear that 10 million for the second rounder, it, it's intriguing. But I guess it does go back to the tackle depth, right? Where you're like, OK, are we making our team worse right now? Probably. Like, And also say you do clear 10 million. What do you do with it? Like you don't need <laughs> you don't need sixteen million just Straight to say, grass, uh, you know, about sixteen million. Like I, I do wonder if like all right if they traded Isaiah Wynn, was there another accompanying move that you know would pay someone or trade for someone or take on more money somewhere? Yeah, and I think the offensive tackle depth ties into the idea of selling low, right? Like these are guys as a roster that's built on depth and not necessarily star power. Like you can't afford to sell low on some of your best players, but give it another few eight weeks where, hey, Nelson Aguilar's had a good start to the season. Tyquan Thornton's coming back. Like we can afford to deal from a position of strength versus like his value, the, the asking price for Kendrick Bourne, Isaiah Wynn right now is really low. But if you feel good about Justin Huron, who again, who has been injured so far here in camp, comes around and you feel better about him, that might explain a win trade where his number, depending on how far into the season we're going, 10 million comes down to about six. And other teams are like, screw it. We just like the Cowboys lost Tyron Smith. Right. I'm not saying he's going to Dallas, but you know, like that's a, that's a timing where the Patriots just go, we want to make these moves. Yeah. The timing is just not right now. And for what it's worth, we saw this minicamp. Isaiah Wynn doesn't seem too happy right here. And he was, as I said, limited in practice today. Yeah. You know, the funny things always happen with the Patriots. You know, say, oh, you know, Bill Belichick has a plan. And I always like point out like 2014 when they traded Logan Mankins before week one to start Marcus Cannon and Jordan Debbie at guard. And it was just such a disaster. And that led to the honest Cincinnati press conference. And eventually they shuffled things around and, and they did it. Like, like no one predicted that year that Ryan Wendell would start at right guard and the Pats would win a Super Bowl with that. 
offensive lineman, you know, after Logan Mankins, but maybe something down the line does happen like that. Like you're right. Maybe Justin Ron gets healthy and they say, you know what, we think we can roll with Kajust or, or Haran and maybe, or maybe it'll be something crazy. Like Jason Hines blows up. He starts at right guard. They move Michael Ueno out to tackle. Like who knows what's going to happen. Gonna roll this podcast the yeah. Yeah. Just like, who the hell is this guy? The biggest difference between right now and 2014 is you had a wizard coach in the offensive line then That's where like, true. Give Scar anything. And he's a legend like, quarterback and yeah, an yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe one of the best defenses to ever come through Foxborough that year. That, that team was sick. Yeah. And I think it, it's important to the point you make of like, yeah, Belichick has a plan. Everyone has a plan in sleep. Sometimes it goes awry. And he will tell you he makes more as many mistakes as anyone. And sometimes that's, you know, kind of humble pie from the podium. Uh, but it's also true. Nikhil Harry's returning a punt for the first time in his <laughs> NFL career at Buffalo amid swirling winds in week 13. That all went exactly as expected. Like they, sometimes they have ideas they don't work out. Same goes on our end. We're talking about, you know, bringing back Harvey Longy over whomever or keeping Brian Ray over Sam Roberts. Maybe Sam Roberts has six sacks this year. I don't know. But on that note, and I didn't uh, prepare you guys with this, but give me give me one breakout guy. We've, we've talked about this in training camp before, midway, and after. Second-year players, I feel like, are low-hanging fruit. Reminder, Stevenson, <laughs> Christian Barmore, feel free to pick the fruit and take a bite and just tell me how tasty the Barmore peach is. But I, I'll lead off to buy a little bit more time because this was unfair by me. <laughs> Josh Uche, I just, I can't quit you. I, just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get off the Josh Uche train, and I will make – what might sound like an excuse, but this goes for Anthony Jennings too, right? And it, it, maybe not Devin Asiasi because he's gone. His his rookie year is really screwed up. He was a player who came in with no preseason. You're dealing with all the COVID limits. No one's in the stands. They put him an inside linebacker towards the end of the year. He needs to learn one of the more complex defenses in the NFL, play all downs, and it was just third down, 2021. Great, come in, play third down. You're buried in the depth chart. Matt Judon's there, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy's out on the edge. Anyone else who can set an edge is there. Now he's got the playing time. He's got the preparation. He's got the opportunity. I, I'm i not going to say 10 like he did last year. Six to seven sacks for John Juche would be a big jump from two and a half, three and a half last year. I, th- I think he can get it. I'll go seven. That's why, you know, and this is what I brought up on the last time I was on your pod. But for me, it's it's always been Jalen Mills that yeah. this summer he looked like a legit starting cornerback. You know, people think about him last year and you sort of think about he had a rough time against, it might have been Keenan Allen in Los Angeles and then the Dallas game, he didn't he didn't play well. Mm. The second half of the season, he was really, really good. And I was trying to look up the number of my phone. I don't I don't have them right now, but opposing quarterbacks were completing somewhere around 40% or under on Jalen Mills in the final eight games last year, which is why when I went on your pod earlier, I said I think he might be the breakout player for the year of the Pats. I still think that he was the best cornerback in training camp. He led the team in interceptions and pass breakups and in practice, whatever that means. But you know, I know people are worried about not having JC Jackson, but I think Jalen Mills is going to have a good season and he's going to be solid. I'm not saying a pro bowl, all pro guy, but I, I don't think he's going to hurt you as your number one cornerback. I like it. Look Anthony Jennings. Mm. I like his versatility. I like that he can play off ball or on the edge. And he was getting a long look on the edge this summer. Kind of comes back to what you said earlier with like, all right, how often is Matthew Judon going to get double team now? Right. Yeah. That frees somebody up. But Jennings is someone that was just kind of a forgotten guy until the summer. He, you know, he popped. I was like, oh, I think this guy could do some stuff. So I'll go with Jennings. That would be a great story. I hope we're both right because <laughs> we both look good. And then we have, I think, kind of a lively pass rush, which there's a lot of concerns in the secondary. We talked about the offensive line, linebackers, like a good pass rush would cure a lot for them, especially going against the offensive lines they're going to see 
early in the season. Well, the season somehow, after all of this, and the 53-man roster cuts and the training camp and the practices, the joint practices and preseason games, it's still 10 days away. So I hope you get a good break. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You guys will come back midseason. Uh, feel free to come back in, in the office and not go on the timeout corner um, anytime this year. Yeah. you got a big enough TV behind me. So <laughs> Just saying, yeah. That's it. Cool.